Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. You're here with your hosts Liam and Bill. Welcome, Bill. On a scale of Jack Higgins to Bomber Thompson, how are you feeling this week? Uh, I don't know. How did I do in the tips? Uh, you did as good as everyone else. You, me, and the algorithm all got seven to nine last week. All right, so probably closer towards Jack Higgins, I guess. Have you heard the big Bomber Thompson news that dropped during the week? Yeah, um, he's a drug lord. Drug lord, yeah, yep. pretty much. Found, I think it was what, ice, amphetamine, and like nearly a kilo of MDMA in his house. Man, hoarding all the good shit for himself. <laughs> just, just just crazy scenes. Um, it all comes back to when this story dropped a while ago. Everyone showed that clip of him on a talk show um, when he was about to leave the Cats as coach, I think. And they were asking what he was going to do when he retired. And he was like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll just go like sell frozen water or something and everyone's like what are you talking about he's like yeah i'll just like start an ice business and everyone's like that's real weird yeah um he's trying to be clever i think and obviously didn't really pan out um yeah sad times for bomber thompson unfortunately (laughs) yeah just a lot of hot water down there we've had more news come out during the week apparently have you heard about the dane swan sex tape that's flying around i have not and i don't know if i want to (laughs) apparently it's a it's a well, serious situation, I guess. Dan Swan, I think he's suing or taking action against somebody who released footage of him allegedly having sex with a girl in a nightclub. Allegedly. Allegedly. I guess we have to say that stuff. I don't know. I guess he did. There's video footage. Don't, um, don't sue us, Dan Swan. <laughs> please. Um, yeah, crazy stuff. Um, sort of the double up. We had the Nathan Broad stuff in the off-season where he shared that photo of the girl and he shouldn't have done that. Really horrible situation. And we're seeing another thing like that come out of the footy world yeah um not good for the footy world um doesn't have anything to do with football i guess so we'll move on quick but uh not good back on more football related stories um dylan roberton and kale kirby crazy double whammy here both of them ruled out for the year with those heart complications both fainting if you will or just collapsing on field with no contact just behind the play yeah so kale kirby in the vfl and uh, Dylan Robin, what, two weeks ago, one or two weeks yep. ago, um, both collapsed and they've come out and said that actually both of them are getting a implant put into their heart to measure the rhythms and um, that's going to do three months worth of measurements and during that time they're going to obviously step away from football and after all of those results come back, they'll come back in and see where they'll go from here but definitely probably season ending for both of them and uh, potentially career threatening. Yeah, so better safe than sorry, obviously. Um, pretty big blow for the Saints, I would imagine. Dylan Robin, and I'm not sure he finished in the best and fairest, but I think he would have been pretty high up. Yeah, I think uh, him along with Seb Ross were our two All-Australian um, squad nominations. So taking one of the better players out of our team, really important from halfback. Um, just really hope that other players, like obviously Savage is going to carry a lot of that load for the rest of the year, rebounding out of halfback, which is good for my Supercoach team, but it'll fall on a lot of other people like the young Nick Caulfield to step up and probably play a lot more football than he would have otherwise. Didn't he get dropped? Didn't get dropped. He was uh, remained in the team after okay. a slow performance, 27 Supercoach points last week, but it's good to see Richo keeping with him. He's had a couple of good weeks in a row and uh, maintained his spot in the team, so all the best to Nick. Speaking of, I've heard that the Saints are keeping with Richo. Keeping with Richo, Matt Finnis came out during the week and showed the club support behind Richardson for the time being, and uh, so that's 
probably setting him sleeping a little better at night. Um, be interesting to see with other clubs. I know that lots of Carlton and Essendon supporters are jumping on Bolton and Woosher rep- uh, respectively, and um, yeah, really some hot water coming on them after a slow start as well. So I'm not really sure whether Richo should be sleeping well at night because this is like stage one of how you get sacked. First, first thing that happens is they come out and say like, "No, we're we're, we're behind our boy. You know, don't worry about it. We're fully behind him," and that that's stage one. <laughs> Behind him with a knife. Yeah, that's that's how it always goes. Like every time a coach gets sacked, the first thing that starts it is the the CEO or whoever coming out and saying like, no, we're behind them. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, Definitely, there's been structural issues with our teams apart this year. Forward line for the start of the year and I reckon on the weekend, our defensive lineup, protecting the ball going inside 50 was really off. So hopefully at least some changes begin. But um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. The club's standing behind him for now and uh, hopefully he can turn it around. We'll talk about some footy now. Um, we got together last Friday to do the podcast, and then we watched the Dogs Carlton game. Um, we can talk about the actual football, or we can jump straight into one of the the things we wanted to rant about. Well, I just want to rant about this right, because we were, we were ranting the whole game. All right, I've said it before on the podcast. Jack McRae, the most underrated player in the competition, tearing this game apart, and no one would know about it because no one would mention him. So at one point we were watching and. Uh, Jack McRae had the ball. I think he was lining up for goal, and the commentators were just talking about Patrick Cripps the whole time, even though like he wasn't near the play, he wasn't doing anything at that time. He had a good game, but at that point in time, he wasn't doing anything. And and I think at some point they mentioned that Jack McRae was lining up for goal. Yeah, McRae gets the ball, gone for goal. We're like, here we here we go. They're going to talk about, it. and they're like, oh, brilliant play, absolutely brilliant play there by Patrick Cripps. It's like <laughs> dogs are shooting for goal. How is it a brilliant play by Cripps? I just don't get it. Um, the other thing that, that we were sort of annoyed by when we were watching the telecast was how obsessed the commentators are these days with how large players are or how small. So every time Caleb Daniel gets the ball, obviously they feel the need to tell us he's the smallest player in the AFL, um, which we know by now. Um, but also, yeah, how large they are. So just going on about, oh, Patrick Cripps is 194 centimeters or however tall he is. And just repeating that again and again and again. Um, at one point, what, who was it that he got the ball and the only thing the commentator said was Patrick Cribbs, big, big. Yeah, I think that was Bruce and we just couldn't stop laughing at this because we were talking about how they're constantly talking about the size and he's like, Patrick Cribbs, big, big. I just didn't say anything else. They were the only words. So if, if any AFL commentators listen to this, um, stop telling us the size of players because we don't care we really don't care and if you're going to show graphics of like ooh Patrick Cripps next to Bontempelli next to Nick Rewalt maybe just throw in some everyday objects might be some more interesting like Patrick Cripps next to a fire hydrant next to a skyscraper I don't know we just think it's very silly and I mean, back on McRae, he had 32 touches, 7 marks, 9 tackles and a goal in that game. And everyone's like, ooh, who was best on ground, Bontempelli or Cripps? I just think that they need to broaden their horizons and watch the game a little more closely. And uh, then some other really talented players in the competition will be getting a little more recognition. So the Doggies got up in that game, 80-59. Um, not all bad news for Carlton. They had a few of their young guns step up. One that I was pretty impressed with was Zach Fisher. Yeah, real positive for Carlton this year. He sort of stepped up. I think he had 28 touches and a goal on the night, and that's sort of been a little standard for him during the year. He's really stepped up and really become a player that's sort of circling through that forward line middle for them and really one of their big improvers. Still sitting on our um, waiver wire in our draft league. I've seen him there a few weeks in a row, and I'm, I'm tempted to pick him up, but my team's pretty stocked. I'm waiting for someone else to do it. I feel like we say this every week, like, oh, maybe we'll go for Fisher, and I always assume he'll be gone, but he's sort of hanging around, and um, definitely someone worth looking at, and I'll be watching him again closely this weekend. 
One of the interesting things we saw out of this win from the Dogs is they were fielding an extremely young side. I think it was the youngest one for the round, and they had no players in that lineup who had over 150 games of experience. That's pretty crazy to see a team come out and put out a solid win with those sort of statistics uh, behind them. Yeah, very young dog side, and a few of their younger players stood up. Um, one that the commentators like to say the name of is Patrick Lipinski. Um, great name, man. and uh, he kicked three goals on the night, so good for him. Yep, stepping up, um, which is what they need. They need these young players to come in and put their hand up to be in this team. We know that Redpath and Eastern Wood both went out injured. They're some senior players, so to have a few young guns, I think Norton's playing very good football at the moment as well, so having those guys come into the team and really perform strongly is important for the Bulldogs. Charlie Kernow, unfortunately, didn't really do himself any favours for getting towards that 45 goals. Kick one goal, four. Um, he passed one off, too, which I was screaming at him to, to have a ping out. But, uh, yeah, not great. He's only added the one goal, and now there's news has come out that he's going to be... I think he's injured or he's, he's got dropped or something. Yeah, I think he's going to miss a week with a, a slight injury, so that doesn't go well for your for your 40, but um, maybe they'll let Paddy McCartan... 45. 45, yeah. oh. Foolish. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, maybe Paddy can get a couple goals back for me. It might turn into a Paddy v. Kernow race by the end of the year if Paddy can turn his form around. Second game in the round was a great comeback win by the Swans. Uh, not not a game that I was fortunate enough to catch, but it seemed like it was a crackle Yeah, I listened to the radio for most of it and then tuned in to the end of the last quarter thinking the Cats were going to roll at home and just saw a big comeback from the Swans, who I didn't tip. So it was a... Uh, just yelling at the uh, screen, waiting for the Cats to come back, but to no avail, the Swans getting a really good victory away from home. Good news for both of our Supercoach teams, Patrick Dangerfield sort of underperforming once again and failing to meet that break-even. Yeah, 94 Supercoach points. It's almost at the sort of stage where I'm going to have to wait for him to put out a big score before I look at getting him in, because if he's scoring 94, there's other options like McRae that we mentioned who are putting out big scores every week, so maybe he's not the uh, first cab of my upgrades um, like I thought he would be. So we might just touch on this here, or that sort of danger field situation. I'm looking at getting him in this week. You're saying maybe that you're going to be waiting? Yeah, I'm definitely going to wait another week um, with Kelly putting a ton up. His score will rise, uh, price will rise rather, and Dangerfield still on the drop. Um, I'll probably look at him next week or even the week after wherever the prices meet um, favorably. And how's the team going? Where are you sitting at this point in time? Jumped back up to about 665 or somewhere around there. So it's going pretty well. Um, sort of aimed for downgrades this week. I really like the look of both Cole and Duman. It's really hard to find really good, consistent backline defensive options. So I think I'm going to try and bring them both into my team this week and look to upgrade next week. What about you? My team's struggling at the moment. So I've got uh, Jake Kelly, sorry, Josh Kelly and... Uh, Lance Franklin sitting on my pine, unfortunately not scoring any points. And as a result, had a pretty poor score this week. Dropped, I think, about five to 6,000 in the rankings. And I'm somewhere in the seventeen to 18,000 range. So losing sight, I think, of the uh, the long run there. Um, but still powering along in the league. I think I've notched up three wins or something and powering along for that league win. And you made some trades this week, I hear, including one of the great players from this Sydney Cats game. Yeah, brought in uh, Josh Kennedy, who I'm back into turn around his season. Pumped out a big 125. Um, some people I've, I've read online a bit worried about him playing north, getting that clamp put on him, but uh, I'm backing him in and noted that last year he started pretty slowly and then peaked in the second half of the year, so I'm hoping he can do the same. Yeah, 33 touches and 13 clearances. I mean, if you're going to play footy that gets 13 clearances, you're going to score points. And as you mentioned, JBK is often a little bit of a slow starter. And as the sort of football wears on and you get a little more of a contested brand and everyone slows down a little bit, he seems to really find that favorable for his type of football. 
Third game round is one that unfortunately I've lost a tip on here. I've gone for North over Port, thinking that uh, you know North looked in pretty good form, Port a bit shaky, and uh, not to be. Port have come out and put him down by about six goals. Yeah, really important win for Port, I reckon, to come down here and get a get a victory and keep them up that top end of the ladder. We all know that um, they would have really hoped to be expected to win these sorts of games and when you're coming down to play North Melbourne and um, not even going in strong favourites it's really good for them to get up and get the win um, some injury news coming out of the club we know that uh, Hamish Hartlett has done his knee very disappointing talking to Port Adelaide fans they seem to think that he was very high up in their best and fairest to date so it's a pretty heavy loss for them and they've also had Chad Wingard do a hammy he's probably going to miss about three or so weeks I was uh, keeping close attention to this game, hoping that Todd Goldstein could turn around his poor form for my draft team, and uh, he's gone up against Charlie Dixon in the ruck and basically split the chockets with him, so Goldstein's had 15 touches, 38 hitouts, whereas Dixon's managed 16 touches, 25 hitouts, and a goal, so... Not too great from Toddy Goldstein there, and I'm starting to get a bit worried about him sitting in my ruck spot. Yeah, definitely. We've seen um, Ruckman uh, really feast against Port Adelaide, especially in a supercoach sense, watching your supercoach scores and waiting to see which Ruckman's coming up against Port Adelaide who have no Ruckman in the team. I know that Sinclair was one that scored really big against them, and to have Goldie come put out a 88 or whatever he um, dropped, um, really not the heights that you expect from a Ruckman of Goldstein standards, and um, I reckon Proust would be licking his lips at this stage. Definitely looks to be struggling. Uh, speaking of Ruckman coming in against Port, I think Paddy Wright is back this week. Yeah, she'll be back this week, and that'll really give a big boost to the chances of Port Adelaide winning. I really think that their midfield functions completely differently to the team that doesn't have Ryder in it because he's a tap Ruckman, but he's also getting around the ground and putting in a lot of important marks and um, possessions around the ground, so it's really important. Somebody else who's been really big for them around the ground so far this year has been Jared Polek, really performing at a high level. He had uh, 34 touches and a goal on the weekend. That's really elite standard and um, really stepping up as a player that probably teams really will look at tagging in the future. Yeah, managed to add 12 tackles to that total too and sort of one known for a bit more for his outside play, so that's good to see from him. Uh, If you'd have told me that one of the ex-Brisbane boys is doing well for Port at this stage of the year, I would have assumed it would be Todd Rockcliffe, but unfortunately he's still sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, still waiting for him to come back. Port Adelaide and my Supercoach team really hoping that he comes back in when he's fully fit and can be his old self. And um, do you reckon that'll happen? Or do you reckon the Rockcliffe we saw is the Rockcliffe we're going to get? I'd be backing him in. Um, he's had a few years where he's sort of been a bit up and down. And I think once he comes back fully fit, he'll be pumping out those 100-plus scores once again. Speaking of Brisbane, we'll move on to GWS, who got over the line against Brisbane. Not really that emphatically, to be honest, in a rather low-scoring affair. GWS's forward line really doesn't seem to be any chop at the moment in a bit of shambles, scoring 77 points and having no multiple goal scorers. I was a bit annoyed by this one when I saw the paper the next day because uh, so Brisbane lost by 34 points to the Giants in the end and, and the Saints in the next game went down by 35 points and the, the headline for Brisbane's game was essentially Brisbane get thrashed and then the headline for the Saints game was like, you know, Saints lose and I was like, that's not fair. Like, we, we didn't, all right, whatever. Um, yeah, not not a terrible performance against, obviously, a pretty quality outfit in GWS, but one thing Brisbane fans will not be happy about is Dan Zorko is still struggling along with only 10 possessions. Yeah, 10 possessions is just... I just don't know what to make of it at the moment. We've seen a fall from grace like no other. The only really consolidating factor for Brisbane is sort of Beams was back. He got a lot of touches and was probably his best game for the year. Yeah, and Daniel Rich slotting back into the lineup with 28 touches was good to see as well. 
Speaking of 28, 28 touches on the GWS side of things, we had Lids come out, 28, 11 marks, and a goal. He's just really just exciting. And back to the Lids that we knew at Richmond coming off that half-back line, getting forward, making use of his kicking skills. If I'm not mistaken, though, I'm not playing this week. Yeah, rested, managed, I think. So a lot of people were bringing them into a, their supercoach teams, I think, in the forward line. A little bit of an underpriced player scoring a lot of tons. And, uh, yeah, obviously not a good move. He's going to be sort of managed throughout the year with those injury histories that we know about. Keep rolling on. And as I mentioned earlier, the Hawks managed to get up 35 points over the Saints. And Tom Mitchell's had another big game, 45 disposals. Yeah, we saw Steele was given the job on him first half and pretty much couldn't get near him. He did whatever he wanted. Second half, Dunstan moved on to him and did a better job, in my opinion. But, yeah, really day out, I think, yeah. 45, did you say? It's just yep. so many touches. Probably second best on the ground, just eclipsed by Isaac Smith, um, who ended up getting four goals, I think, to go alongside. Uh, 24 touches at 92%, so he was really good as well. Future Brownlow medalist Isaac Smith, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> According to Damien Barrett's sliding doors, he thinks that Isaac Smith might get up there in the Brownlow betting, which might be the stupidest call I've heard in a long time. Just going to address Damien Barrett's sliding doors here. Um, so for people who are unfamiliar, it's essentially what he's doing it in like an Excel spreadsheet, I think, something along those lines. Um, very poor journalism and not quite sure he grasps what a sliding doors moment is exactly. Yeah, he, it's just sort of an if this and then this will happen statement, which is, I don't think that's quite what sliding doors is at all. Um, and also he hates St. Kilda and I think in that in that article he said Saints won't win a game until round 17, so screw you Damien Barrett. He's also said that um, if he smells an upset this week, it's, it's Brisbane getting up over the pies and Obviously, as an optimistic Lions supporter, you know, I'm hoping we can get up over the pies, but I'm not really sure what he's basing it on. I think he's just saying it. Yeah, I think just <laughs> most of the things uh, I sort of just brush off because I assume no one really listens to Damien Barrett and everything he says. I mean, just really soft journalism is what they say about him, and it's sort of true. So, one of the things that's uh, coming out of this game is that David Muir has been dropped, and that's going to affect quite a few Supercoach teams, uh, including my own. Yeah, a bit of a surprise with James Hisley coming into this team. He was the straight swap for Mira in the ins and outs. Um, a lot of people would be disappointed he wasn't playing bad football by any means. I don't know if this is just a sign of things to come that he'll be in and out or whether he was just a just a stopgap for a while. So they've brought him in. Uh, he's been playing in their VFL team for quite a few years now. And you know, he, as you said, he played some pretty good football. He's 27 years of age, so you'd imagine that if he's going to be playing you know, for the Hawks, it'd be at this point in time. But Fortunately, he's been dropped, and uh, I think I'm going to leave him on my bench and hope to see him back in a couple of weeks. Uh, Bill, do you need a spare time job? Because I think the goal-kicking position down at uh, St. Kilda might be open any time now. Ben Dixon, uh, Saints have been kicking worse than they have in their whole club's history, and he was brought in the off-season to fix it, so I don't know how you, how he's doing down there. Yeah, I haven't played footy in like 12 years or something now, so uh, I don't know how I'd go in it, but uh, I think they definitely need someone else there because... Whatever Dixon's doing does not seem to be working. Yeah, goal kicking. I mean, <laughs> did you see Membry's miss? Yep. <laughs> that just pretty much sums up our season. He was literally one meter from the goal line in a very important moment where he needed to kick the goal. Kicks it into the post. Josh Bruce-esque, which might have also been down in Tassie. It must just be some some hole in there that St. Kilda Fords fail. Um, it was good to see Membry go back and slot a nice set shot from around 50 straight afterwards and sort of earn it back, but that's... <laughs> the worst miss i've ever seen in football <laughs> pretty bad uh another uh saints player who's not really kicking the goals too well at the moment jack billings has put up another one goal three just looks like a player down on confidence he's just 
Starting in that forward line, one of his first two few touches will be a shot on goal, and if it misses, you see him drop his head. He's sort of down on confidence for the rest of the game, and I really hope that Richardson starts him in the square this week or at least puts him on the wing or up the ground so he can get a few early touches, hit some chests, and then when he's got his shot at goal or his entry inside 50, he'll be able to make the right decision or hit the right kick and kick the goals because it really just seems like a confidence thing at this point. He's put up four goals, 11 so far this year, which is obviously not great. And uh, yeah, disappointing start from a super coach perspective as well. Started in my team on uh, on your advice, Lee, and I dropped in for Robbie Gray a couple of weeks ago, and I think that was the right call because he's put up some pretty average scores in the last few weeks. Seems like a right call. He's been my one fall to my super coach team. If I'd switched him for somebody else, although I probably would have switched him for a Walters who's injured or a Buddy who's injured or a Green who's injured, but... Assuming that I put him for somebody who's who's playing. Devin Smith, perhaps. He's in my team already. So that's my only issue is that, like, Billings was my bad tip, but all the other players I would have picked for him would have been sort of bad as well. So a bit of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I'm really hoping he can turn his season around. I mentioned to you during the week that his first six weeks last year went without a super coach ton, and then he went bananas over the next 10 weeks. So I guess one can only hope that uh, turnaround's around the corner. So that's a hold then? Going to hold him? I'm going to have to hold him. His league too much cash. The only trade that I considered this week was potentially him plus 40k from your bank would get you Sicily, who's gotten three 110 plus scores. But we've mentioned on the podcast Sicily missing games here and there, and um, I just didn't want to burn the trade trading premium side to side. If you don't have to, I'd avoid it, and um, just going to have to back my boy in for now. Keep rolling on. The, the next game for the night was the Adelaide Crows beating the Suns by 50-odd points, uh, unsurprisingly. Uh, one of the comments after this game from Coach Stuart Jew was that he thought David Swallow carried the team, and I can sort of see where he's coming from looking at the stat sheet. He's picked up 32 touches and kicked three goals. Yeah, we've been doing this running weekly, who's the new Ablett with Gold Coast, and Swallow's come up in a couple of games, so he's really playing well for Gold Coast, probably high up there in the best and fairest. Um, we also have Lyons, who's been featuring a lot, and he had a pretty good game, but we see out of this club, Aaron Hall's not even getting picked. Uh, Barlow came back for this game, straight dropped, he's not playing this week, and um, yeah, I don't know, that middle's just sort of not looking what it could be. Best tackling midfield, I think, in the... Uh... In the, in the team, sorry, in the league at the moment. And uh, I'm hoping they can get a bit more out of their ruck. Jared Witts, who's sort of my point of difference in my Supercoach team at the moment, brought him in for the Patrick Ryder injury, but unfortunately hasn't really fired since. Yeah, the tackling stats are really interesting one. When you mentioned that to me, I was surprised, but we do have uh, Nick Holman, who we mentioned was leading the goal kicking in one of our previous episodes. Not sure about now. And um, a lot of those other midfielders like Tukmila and Swallow don't mind a tackle. So I guess I can see it. So, from the weekend, Lyons put up 13, Miller 10, Lonigan 9, Sexton 7, Ainsworth 5, and obviously a few other players with tackles there as well. Something that you would definitely be happy about. You want your players to buy in and crack in, and uh, it's good to see that they're doing that um, at this stage. From this, uh, from the Adelaide side of this game, um, while we're still talking about the Saints, a player the Saints could really use is Tom Lynch, who used to be on Saints list, traded over to Adelaide, had 25 touches at 80% and kicked three goals, and um, he's a really important player for them. Three goals straight, mind you, so you know, knows how to find the goals there. Yeah. Another shining light for the Crows was the game by Cam Ellis-Yolman, who managed to pick up 29 touches, 19 of them contested, kicked a goal, nine score involvements. Three marks, four tackles, seven clearances, and the stats go on and on. He had a great game, and he's earned himself a run in the middle of my Supercoach draft team. 
Yeah, I picked him up in one of my draft teams as well, actually. So we'll have to wait and see how he goes this week, hopefully taking on some of those big midfield minutes from players being out of that team. But someone that's back in that midfield is Matty Crouch, who just stepped in for a lazy 30 first game back. Yeah, very impressive first game back from Matt Crouch. Still waiting on Brad Crouch to come back. <laughs> He's listed as uh, three to four weeks now. So it's been a long, uh, long first six weeks for me there, but I'll hopefully see him back there soon. <laughs> Back on that injury front, we saw Taylor Walker do a bit of a hammy during the week, which is sad for Adelaide's supporters, but once again, pretty happy for super coaches. We see Darcy Fogarty getting the call up this week to play a Carlton lineup, hopefully kick a few rolls and get a few points. Speaking of getting the big points, we'll move it on. Speak about Maxi Gorn, who's put up 16 touches, 42 hitouts, six marks, five tackles, and two goals too. One of those goals was uh, in one of the fans' face. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, fan leaning over the fence to yell at Gorn's face while he's taking the shot from the the perfectly straight um, need to kick the banana around the body from the from the goal line sort of shot. And uh, big Maxi Gorn, not really known for his foot skills, just turns around, points at the guy, and then slots the goal, and then turns around and looks at him, gives him the big stare down. It's really really funny moment from the weekend. Yeah, huge stare down from Gorn on that one, and. Uh... Apparently that bloke had a few choice words to say. Um, I think he apologised later, so that's good to hear. And uh, I did see the after-game press conference with Maxi Gorn. They asked him what Gorn said to the guy, and he's like, I just said I got a better beard than you do. <laughs> so uh, some supercoach carnage out of this game. Matt, still not sure how to say this, but Matt Guelfi, uh yeah, dropped, unfortunately, and another one who's featuring in my team. And I thought you know, you could lock him in there for another couple of weeks at least, but... Word is out of Worsfold that he's just being managed after a few games in a row. Yeah, I brought him in as well and thought I could lock him in for a nice score on field every week and was sad to see him out. But good news that the managed uh, word came out of Worsfold because we do know that they played the short turnaround from the Anzac game and he's not really an AFL-proven body so far. So hopefully he'll be back in the following week. Usual performers in this game, I think. Uh, Zach Merritt put up a good game to continue his sort of turnaround in form. Devin Smith for the Dons, another good game. And Michael Hurley down back, still racking up those super coach points. Yeah, it was a very interesting game because both these clubs were sort of earmarked for finals and they've both been very disappointing so far. So it was really important for the Demons to get that win and very disappointing on the Essendon side of things. Um, uh, the It sort of came down to that at half time, the Dons had a small lead and they looked like they were in this game and then sort of waned. They really lost it after the three-day break that they had after Anzac Day probably played a large part in their fall from uh, halftime scores. We'll keep moving through these games, and uh, the second-to-last one was a pretty good game. I managed to catch most of it, and a uh, pretty competitive game, so it ended up with 43-point margin in favour of the Tigers, but they did kick away late, and the, the game was sort of in the balance in the early in the last sort of quarter there, and Pies fans would be pretty happy with the performance, I think. Yeah, it's sort of the same story we saw from the uh, Essendon side of things where Collingwood was in this game up until the last quarter and then fell away to a big margin. So probably once again, the three-day break uh, hurting them a lot. Tom Phillips has uh, continued his good form after hearing me call him a potato. He's uh, <laughs> he's had another 38 touches uh, to go along with uh, his good performances the last couple of weeks. And the whole midfield unit for the Pies is sort of functioning pretty well at the moment. Obviously, Grundy, the inform. Ruck of the competition, maybe vying with Max Gorn for that title. He's got 24 touches and, and 33 hitouts. And then Trelaw, 42 touches and a goal. Um, Phillips, as I mentioned, and Penderby, 29 and a goal. Um, and a few other names bobbing up for the, the Pies as well. You mentioned Grundy in that lot. Who would have thought, if you bet me any amount of money, I would not have bet 
that if you told me of the two Ruckman, we'd have 29 disposals and 24 disposals, and the 25 would be Nankervis and not Grundy. Incredible performance by the Nank on the weekend. Actually beat Grundy around the ground, and you don't see that happening very often. Um, as we mentioned, the, the Tigers were just able to kick away late, so very impressive the way they're able to just find goals out of nowhere. And they've got that sort of small forward line fleet, and I think this week it was Josh Caddy bobbing up with four goals, um, Rewalt slotting three, Butler three. Castagna and Higgins with two each and a whole host of players with one. And did you see the Higgins two snags for one deal from... Yeah, I did. Uh, he seemed like quite shocked that he got put <laughs> yeah. on his ass there, like as if, you know, like, why would you do this to me? Yeah. Well, it pretty much was. It was one of those moments where he's celebrating after a goal and Dunn runs up and absolutely poleaxes him and it's just like, you'd never see that sort of thing happen. Yeah, yeah, he he genuinely looked surprised, so that was pretty funny to see, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like two, two, two more snags for Jackie Higgins there, and he's kept his spot in the team for this week, I think. Yeah, I think he maintained his position, so it's good to see for super coaches that have him in, and uh, Tigers fans and footy fans alike, because he's sort of becoming a media star with his youthful exuberance and uh, enjoyment of the game, so everyone's going to be getting around him after every win and loss, I reckon, in the commentary box. Last game for the weekend was the Western Derby over in WA, and... Uh, not a game that I watched, and to be honest, not a game that I really care about, but uh, <laughs> it seems like it was a, a nice, close, competitive game with the Eagles getting up by eight points. Yeah, well, my supercoach trade-in, Elliot Year was on zero points pretty much at uh, three-quarter time, and then kicked a nice ceiling goal and ended up on 94 for me, so that was quite nice to see. Um, but what we saw out of this game was probably the main talking point, I'd say, is Walter's knee injury. I think they said that it's going to be about three to four weeks, but with these sort of injuries, I wouldn't be surprised if it is closer to the four being really cautious with one of their star players. Yeah, sad news for Freo there. Um, on a super coach front, Tom Coles put up another good score, and I'm sure he's been traded into probably most super coach sides, although it will be interesting to see how he goes because he, he put up that score off the back of 10 tackles and five free kicks, so not something that you can probably bank on every week. Definitely, definitely the five free kicks is something that would have boosted his score. Really only got, what, 64 or something around that mark, and that's mostly from his tackles and his uh, um, freeze four, so I don't really know what he was doing with his touches. But um, coming off a high 90s score the week before and then a game where he's put in good performance, the coach has got to be happy with him putting those amount of tackles on, and I expect him to keep his spot. 170k compared to Dooman's 120k. If you had to pick out of one of those for the guys listening, uh, who would you pick? I think if you've got the cash, you're probably looking at Tom Cole with the higher average there. But uh, both good options, I think. And as you mentioned earlier, it's probably pretty hard to come along those defensive options. So if someone's looking for the double downgrade, same as you, maybe bring in both. One player that I noticed out of this match who really stepped up when we saw Walters go down, well, we first of all, we saw Neil go back into his preferred running-receiving position, getting a lot of the peel, but Ed Langdon was the one that really stood up for me. He had 26 touches and two goals. Yeah, another player sitting there sort of tempting me on our uh, Supercoach draft waiver list there, and I'm uh, not sure he's going to get a run in, in my side, but I... Th- thinking someone might pick him up soon he looks pretty good yeah if he keeps getting those midfield time and um really just getting around the ball a lot more he's obviously got the skills anyone who can get that scoreboard impact as well as getting the touches really deserves to have some midfield minutes here and there so be interesting to see where ross plays in for the rest of the year so i think you said before lee that we we all got seven tips for the round was it yep seven tips for the round each um 
and we do know our uh, totals for the year. I've gone back and looked at them. We have in last place Bill on 30 tips, followed by the algorithm on 35 and myself on 36 tips. Yeah, I'm just sort of like easing in, you know, like Josh Kennedy style. I'm going to start slow and then build it up, I think, starting to ramp it up from here. And I think I'm going to flick the switch this week and tip nine. So Cool. Yep. Uh, well, shall we get into tipping on that? Uh, I think that so. Note? Uh, well, maybe we'll go through the games and uh, say who each of us and the algorithm it has tipped in the first game tonight. We have the Cats versus GWS. Who do you like in this one? I think I'm going to go with the Cats. Uh, home ground advantage playing a big factor and just the long injury list for the Giants. I think the Cats should have the depth to get the ball. You know, winning it out of the middle, I think, and, and that'll probably translate to a win. So I'm going to go with the Cats. I'm going to go with you, as will the algorithm, although I will note that the uh, algorithm has it as a pretty close game, actually, so look for this one to go down to the wire. Next game, we have the Dogs and the Suns. Playing on Mars. Playing on Mars. Yeah, Interesting. So first game I've ever on Mars. I've floated this before. They yeah. should play in an international uh, space, really, stadium weird thing. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> first game ever on Mars, I think, is going to be one. Well, I, I really don't know. This is, this is a tough one to pick, and... Uh, I'm going to go with a little sort of, you know, left field, and I'm going to throw out the Suns, I think. Cool. Well, the algorithm's actually going with you. It thinks Ooh, it's going to be an extremely close game, but it's going with the Suns. I'm going to have to disagree. I'm going to go with the Dogs, but um, I can see this one being a really exciting match, actually. What do we got next? Uh, Hawks and the Dons, which is a very intriguing game, considering how both teams are tracking at the moment. I think I like the Hawks on this one. Yeah, I'm going to go the Hawks and the Algorithm too. But I think that if the Hawks do get up and the Dons go down, it's going to be really panic stations for Eston. So look for them to come out breathing fire. Next, we've got the Power and the Eagles. Uh, I'm going to go with the Power and actually the Algorithm is too. Very tempting to go with the Eagles here. Um, I'm probably going to stick with the Power. Mm. Even though they're at the away side, I think don't really want to risk that tip. But after my uh, little jump on the suns there i think i'll yeah stick with the power it is over in wa and i think that west coast are actually decent favorites so interesting to see all three of us going with the power and we'll see if that tip can get up for us next we've got the swans and north uh algorithm and me going with the swans i'll join you next game we've got the crows and the blues i think it's crows all around yep and then we've got the Tigers and Fremantle, potentially a Monday after the siren. <laughs> I'm going to take the Tigers. All right, I will too. And the algorithm will, but again, noting how close that one was out of Fremantle and the Tigers, very surprising that the statistics between the teams have been even this year, considering their positions on the ladder. Pretty interesting. The, the model doesn't actually rate the Tigers that highly. Like It's got them in the top few teams, but definitely not in the top spot. Very interesting, and you can see just flicking through their games and the stats, you look at their stats and you're like, oh, pretty even, maybe the Tigers didn't play well, and then you look and they beat Collingwood by 43, and you're sort of wondering how they did it. I guess they're just taking those uh, opportune moments in the game better than any other team right now. Next we have the Ds and the Saints. Uh, who are you going with here? I've got the Ds, I think. The um, algorithm has the Ds too, and... Uh, I've got the Saints. Let's go, the Saints. It's the fans pick out of me. I'm not going to lie. Um, down at Etihad Stadium, I'll just be down there. So I'm going to watch us, going to tip us. Next, we've got the uh, Pies and the Lions closing out the round. Algorithm has Pies. I have Pies. You have? I am very tempted to go with the Lions. Uh, I think we're a decent chance in this game, but I am sort of chasing up tips here. So I'll stick with the Pies. Keep it close. Keep it close. All right, we'll do something now just before the season. We did a little bit of our overs-unders for each team. We might just revisit it a little bit, go back. and Do we uh, have to? 
we don't have to. We run our own podcast. We can do what we want. But uh, it'd be interesting to see what we thought and look at where the teams are at about, what, a quarter, just over a quarter of the way through the year and uh, see uh, who's tracking a little higher than what we thought. All right, let's have a look. Um, who did I have? I've got... I've got the Lions and the Blues getting over 6.5. I'm not sure that's going to happen. No, I had them both as unders, and they're both zero from six. So, to win seven games of the 17 from here, probably... I reckon the Lions could do it. We started uh, poorly last year and came home strong, but I really can't see the Blues getting those six wins on the board, and the Lions will probably struggle as well. Down that bottom end, we had... Both of us had unders for both Gold Coast and North, who are both sitting three of six, both needing only Gold Coast only needing three more wins and North four to get over their lines. Yeah, I think they're both going to make it. Looking at at this stage, um, Gold Coast started pretty well, and, and North as well. Um, be interesting to see how North go this week against Sydney. Yeah, see if North can step up. We know that they're sort of known for trailing off in the season a little bit, winning games early and not late. But I think especially that Gold Coast, already three of their six needed, um, we probably got that one wrong at the start. Um, Other end of the spectrum, Adelaide, you've got them getting over 15.5. I've got them under. They're currently sitting on four. So that's one's maybe a bit too early to call. A bit early to call. That might be a bit of a line ball because they are only four of six, but we know the injuries they've had. So if you can get these players back into the team, maybe they'll finish strongly. Um, same up the top, we've got Sydney and GWS, both four of six. Um, you had GWS for the unders, and I had them for the overs. Yeah, so I was sort of surprised when I did this. I went through the fixture. And, you know, if you just said 14.5, I'd probably say over, but I went through the fixture, and I think I had them on about 13 wins. So a few tough games for the Giants throughout the year. Um, it be interesting to see where they can get there. They're probably tracking along four out of six. They're looking pretty good to get 15 wins on the board. Another interesting one that we dipped on was the Cats. 14.5 is the line. I had them under, you had them over. Going three out of six at the moment, but again, with a lot of injuries and danger field out of form, um, where do you see that one falling? Could be, yeah, again, pretty line ball. Um, you'd probably be pretty happy with the three out of six start. That probably bodes pretty well for an unders result. We've got Richmond, both had them overs, sitting 5 out of 6, which I think is looking pretty good. Um, Port Adelaide, 13.5. I had overs, you had unders, 4 out of 6. Who do you think's right so far on that one? Probably tracking along closer to what you would be looking for. I think with the overs, 4 out of 6 is a pretty good start, although I think Port is sort of the kind of side that could fall in a heap at any time, so I'm not really writing that one off yet. I think that one might come down to a game like West Coast this weekend. If they win, I'll look good. If they lose, I think you might look good on that one. Next, we've got a couple of Probably disappointing teams at this stage. Essendon and Melbourne both had 12.5 lines. We both said Melbourne overs. I had Essendon under, you had over. Essendon going at 2 of 6 and Melbourne 3 of 6 at the moment. Yeah, Melbourne, uh, they'd probably win, probably want to be sitting on about 4 out of 6, I think, at this stage. Um, 3 out of 6, not too brilliant. We'll see if they can get to that overs. Essendon, 2 out of 6, pretty disappointing. I thought they were going to be a bit better this season. Uh, moving down, we've got the two West, West Coast and Western Bulldogs. West Coast has a 10.5 line, which we both went under, sitting five out of six. Yeah, very impressive start from West Coast and not one that either of us saw coming, to be honest. And uh, the Doggies on the flip side, two out of six, not really looking too brilliant for that overs prediction. Mm, so we might have gotten both of those a little, little swapped over. We'll have to wait and see how it ends up. But definitely West Coast surprising me a lot this year. Uh, continuing down the list, the Hawks at 10.5. We both had them over, and they're sitting at 4 out of 6, so I think that's a pretty good tip at this point. Yeah, looking really good, and um, it was interesting when we talked about this. I know we spoke about, oh, they'll get Birchill back and Rioli back, and neither of these players have played very much, and we've still seen a lot of improvements, so I think definitely the Hawks looking good for that one. 
Uh, the, the Pies are also sitting with the line of 10.5 wins, and we both put them under. They're sitting on three out of six, and they do look pretty good. Yeah, I reckon we could see them get over that, even push for finals at this point, knowing their draw is pretty easy going forward. Um, yeah, I reckon that might be another one that we've gotten wrong so far. Uh, it'll be interesting to wait and see. And probably one of the biggest misses so far is we've both got the Saints getting over 9.5, currently sitting on one out of six, and as we know, not going to win a game until round 17. Well, I'm going to wait for us to not lose a game until round 17 just to stick it up, Barrett, and also get that one right. But yeah, it looks like the bookies had that one right. We both thought that the Saints would look a little better this year and um, disappointing 1-6 to six so far. I think you talked me into that with pumping up the Saints, to be honest. <laughs> uh, you got into my head a little because uh, yeah. never been historically too high on them. But uh, yeah, I think I bought into the hype. And other than that, we've got Fremantle, 8.5 line, already going at 3 or 6. I reckon they might get around that mark as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see this one. I think Frio is similar to Porter, this sort of team I could see sort of just falling in a heap at any time. So mm. be interesting to track that one along. It's only been six games. Um, we might have a look at this again later in the year and um, see how everyone's going compared to the start of the year. But at this stage, do you have any teams that you think are performing over and under what you expected from the start? Definitely surprised by West Coast and uh, to a lesser extent North Melbourne, I think. But West Coast is a surprise back for me at this stage. Five out of six wins. And obviously, don't we've got Nick Knapp back playing football, but not really back to his best. And he's one they rely on heavily. So probably a lot of upside for them there still. Um and as we said, probably the Saints are probably one of the more disappointing ones in terms of um, one out of six wins. And to track along for that 9.5, you know, they need to win nine of the remaining games to get there. So those are probably the two for me. What about you? Yeah, probably the two West that we touched on, West Coast doing better and Western Bulldogs doing worse. Um, really sitting at that two out of six, needing to get to 12 wins, probably along with the Saints for that disappointing end. And um, yeah, I think West Coast tracking along better than what I thought they'd be. Uh, we'll close on, do you have a big talking point for the week, Bill? Yeah, I've got one. Um, just the continual references by commentators to goal kicking um, inefficiency. And obviously, we've seen a few sides, uh, you know, not really converting chances um, and, and costing them in games. But it's something they talk about a lot, saying things along the line of, you know, oh, we sort of see all the skills in AFL footy improve except for goal kicking. And uh, so an interesting graph throughout the week that showed that goal kicking has improved uh, goal kicking accuracy has improved basically since the start of the vfl competition right until today it's it's essentially just continual improvement in that um in that line in that trend so that is something that although we hear a lot about how it's not improving it is actually improving and something that people should probably get their heads around i think yeah i think that's a bt favorite all those people in the commentary box saying oh goal kicking and duck Wayne carry is a classic for it. he says they just can't uh, get it right it's one thing the game never improves on and this graph that you sent me it's it's pretty much the year on the x-axis and on the y-axis we have the percentage goals to behinds kicked for for the season for the whole league and we see that from the game's creation till now it's it's pretty much a linear straight line all the way up with the latest years being the uh, best accuracy goal kicking um, starting all the way back at you know 35 percent back in the old days yeah it obviously it dips up and down you know year to year and and there is a sort of a strange dip down around the 1950s. Um, but as a general trend, yeah, it's it's trending upwards and, and sort of has continually been trending upwards. So not really something that uh, reflects what the commentators are speaking about. Need to check their science facts a little more there in the box. Um, but yeah, it's definitely one that I hear them say a lot. And it was interesting to see that graph come out during the week and to see it's actually still going up, even though, as we might all admit, that we ex- might expect it to increase at a, at a steadier pace. It is still way better than it was back in the day. 
All right, it's 7.46, four minutes till the bounce, so we're going to duck off here. Um, Wish you all a good week of watching the footy, and uh, we'll see you next week on the Science of Footy podcast.